Do people where you live, where you work, where you go, do they see the wisdom of God in your life? Can they recognize that God is speaking to you? Can they recognize that you're making godly decisions for God, godly decisions for your family, and godly decisions for your own personal life? That's really important when it comes to the things of God. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're glad you've joined us for Raul's continuing focus on the faith walk lessons we can learn from biblical believers. Today, as we think about the roller coaster spiritual life of King Solomon, you'll see how crucial it is to base your decisions on godly, Bible based wisdom rather than your personal ideas or emotions. Stay with us here on Somebody Loves Your Radio for encouragement to daily seek the Bible's truth. And later on, we'll share how you can order this entire series. Here's Raul Reese with today's study. Let's begin by looking at the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4. Why don't you go there? 1 Kings chapter 3 and 4. Let me give you some background so you can get the picture with Solomon here in the introduction. The title of my message is Solomon, the wisest man in the whole world. The wisest men in the whole world. First of all, Solomon, the third great king of Israel. Remember the first one? Saul, David, the father of Solomon. And what's really cool is we're going to read in a moment in chapter 3 of 1 Kings. He comes to the Lord at the age of 20 years old. And he comes to God and he says, God, I'm standing before you in total humility. And you'll see in a moment. But listen to this first. Solomon not only became the third greatest king of Israel, he also was named Jehadiad, beloved of the Lord in Hebrew. And it says by the prophet Nathan, he anointed him and he prayed for him. Solomon means peaceful in the Hebrew. And then Solomon, the great glorious king, still bought large in the memory and imagination of the Jewish people. They loved him. There was no wars made when Solomon ruled. It was all peaceful. He wrote the book of what? The book of Proverbs. He wrote the book of Song of Songs. And he wrote the book of Ecclesiastics. Three books. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. At the end of his life, he says in chapter 12. This is the conclusion of the whole thing. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Because at the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, after being rich, having fame, and having all these heathen wives in his kingdom that stole the heart of God from Solomon, writes as an empty person, he says, it's empty without God. Pretty heavy. Life without God is nothing. Nothing. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Not house, not planes, not like that. What? Added to the kingdom of God, the things of God. The things of God. To be rich in God, which is so cool. And yet Solomon is so sad that he was standing there and he would not stand in the presence of God. Let's begin by looking at chapter 3, verse 1. 
He says, now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, here is his first fault. Who is Pharaoh? The type of Satan. Egypt is the type of the world. Imagine that. And then he says, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord in the wall around Jerusalem. He took, notice, seven years to build God's house, but he took a long time to build his own house. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Here he brings a wife from Egypt. The Egyptians were worshipers of other gods. And here he is a man of God. Remember what Paul said? Be you not unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. What fellowship has light with darkness? Here is Solomon. Here is Solomon. Bringing the world into the kingdom of God. Into his own palace. Which these wives, 700 wives, 300 concubines, brought their gods with them, defiled the house of God, took Solomon's heart away from his God, and began to worship the other gods. You meet people like that, I meet them all the time. Because they don't wait upon God. He goes on to say this. And he married Pharaoh's daughter that he brought her into the city of David. Until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around them. So we see again verse 2 now. And 3. And meanwhile the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built in the name of the Lord until those days. What were they doing? There was no temple. Solomon will build a temple. But what they were doing is they were worshiping the high places. And the high places were places where the gods of the Canaanites were worshipped. Baal. Molech, Ashtoreth, all these gods of fertility. And yet here, God is King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet the people of God always go to other gods. God had called them to be salt and light, the Israelis. And said, look, I have a place for you. I have a work for you. And I'm your God. And I don't want you to do anything. But I want people to see that you worship me. That I am the God of all the world and all the universe. Like the Christian today, we're supposed to be salt and light. And what happened? Israel became a bad witness to the people of God and to the world. Instead of taking God to them, they brought the world to them. And polluted the camp. How sad that is, but it's still happening today. Look again, verse 2. And meanwhile, the people sacrificed on the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Notice his relationship with God. I love God, but I love these other gods. Does that sound like today the carnal Christian? Sounds like it. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. Split personality. And then he says this, verse 4. And now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place Solomon offered a thousand offerings on the altar. Notice that, on the altar. Verse 5, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask me whatever you want. Can you imagine, what would you ask God if he came to you and said, ask me whatever you want, I'll give it to you. I mean, that's a great question. Especially today. 
What do you want me to give to you? And I'll give it to you. What is God doing? He's checking your heart. Checking your motives. Because God knows that we are selfish. God knows that we're covetous. God knows that we have all these things in our life that takes us away from God. We become entertained by the things of the world. And that keeps us from what? From worshiping God. Our devotional life. Our devotional life is very important. When you get up in the morning, you go to your knees and pray to God and ask God for direction for that day. And as you go out, do you put on the armor of God? Do you have the sword of the Spirit? As you're going to meet with your enemy, do you know how to defend yourself against him? To defeat him through the word of God. By being obedient to God's word. So here God communicates with Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? I'll give you the whole world. Check this out. Verse 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart with you. Now, let me ask you this. You might not be a father yet or a grandfather, but are your children going to say that of you? What are they going to say of you? When you come to that age, Of being a father and being a grandfather. And then he goes on to say this. Because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, David. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. He recognizes God's hand upon his death. And is dead listening to God and appointing Solomon to the kingdom. As a king, it was God's choice, not David's choice. Check this out, verse 7. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. For I am just a little child. He's 20 years old. Still young. Hasn't been anywhere in life. He's very naive. He says this. Notice. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. You see, he's been protected. There's a lot of times in the young people, when you live in a Christian home, A lot of times, you know, if your parents are very strict, you protect your children so much that at the same time when they get into high school, they grow up and they leave the house, then they go out to experience the world and this world destroys them. Instead of praying for them, instead of allowing God to speak to their hearts, we become like God. It's real important that we understand what he's saying here. Look what else he says. He says, But I am a little child. I do not know how to go in or how to go out. Your servant is in the middle of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, a numerous people, the number are counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between the good and the evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Notice, he's not asking for money. He's not asking for greatness. He's not asking for anything. He wants wisdom on how to take care of God's people. Imagine that. When you pray, be careful how you pray for your needs. Make sure you're aligned with the heartbeat of God so you don't get destroyed. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Roll Reese. Our goal is to help you walk in step with God as you follow the guidance of His Word. You can email Rawl directly at pastorrawl at somebodylovesyou.com with any Bible questions you may have. 
For more resources, call 800-634-9165 or visit somebodylovesyou.com. Let's listen now as Roll Reese concludes today's message, Solomon, the wisest man in the world. He goes on, verse 10, the approval now. Notice, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked these things and have not asked long life from yourself or have asked for riches or yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding and discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See that I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches, honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings of all your days. Can you imagine that? I've given you billions of dollars. I've given you the empire. I've given you everything because you didn't ask me for yourself anything. It's not that we're how we start simple and humble that we end up with a lot of pride. That's Solomon's life. You really have to keep yourself underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times pastors, leaders, whatever happens, you start as a janitor and then you work yourself through and pretty soon you own the company or you're a pastor and you have a big church, real big church, and what happens? You start thinking back, and pretty soon you have bodyguards, and you have all these things because you're not communicating with people. You're too big now. You started simple, but look at you now. Unapproachable, untouchable, when we're supposed to be servants of God. Keeping simple before God. Number one, it's not my church, it's His church. He's the one that calls. He's the one that anoints. He's the one that takes up the one, takes down the other. That's what the scripture teaches. And Solomon now has been given the privilege because he asked for nothing, only wisdom and knowledge, how to lead the people. God says, I'm going to give you everything. And the reason, it's to test the heart of Solomon to see what Solomon would do. Notice verse 14. So if you walk in my ways, notice the conditions, and you keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. I'll make your days stretch out by being obedient. Solomon then awoke, notice. And then Solomon awoke from his dream. And indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered a burnt offering. A burnt offering is a sacrifice of consecration of my life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I therefore beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your life, or what? Your mind. Very important what he says here. He goes on. And so Solomon, before the ark of the Lord, offered a burnt offering, offered a peace offering, and made a feast for all his servants. Verse 16. And now two women who were harlots... Notice, came to the king and stood before the king. And one woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman, I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth to my child. And she also had a child. And during the night, what happens is this woman's child dies. So she gets up and goes over and steals this baby from her. And she puts the dead child on this crib. Imagine that. 
And then the next morning they wake up and the real mother says, no, that's my child. So she goes before the king and she goes before the king and Solomon standing there as the king. And they give the story. And then Solomon being wise, notice, he says, bring me a sword. So they bring the sword. They take the child that is alive and says he's going to kill him. And the mother that is not her child, she says, go ahead and kill him. And the other mother says, no, please don't do that. And then Solomon says, that's the real mother. Imagine how God works with people that have wisdom. Making decisions. In the presence of the Lord and in the presence of people. He goes on. I'll just give you the story. So let's go on to verse 23. And then the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is a dead one. And the other says, No, but my son is dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half one, and give the other half to the other. And then the woman whose child was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and said, Oh my Lord, give her the living child. The real mother said, Don't kill my son, and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him in half. And the king answered, said, give the first woman the living child. That's the real mother. And by no means kill him. She is his mother. Notice that. And all Israel, check this out, and all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him and administered justice. Let me ask you this. Do people where you live, where you work, where you go, do they see the wisdom of God in your life? Do they see it? Can they recognize that God is speaking to you? Can they recognize that you're making godly decisions for God, godly decisions for your family, and godly decisions for your own personal life? That's really important when it comes to the things of God. And then, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So King Solomon was king over all Israel. And these were his officials. He gave his names of all these officials all the way through. And we'll go down all the way down to verse 20. He says, And Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands of the sea, and the multitude did eating and drinking and rejoicing. And then Solomon, verse 21 again, And Solomon reigned all over the kingdoms of the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt, and they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. So everybody around knew that King Solomon was the king, and they all came and did homage to him. They paid respect and brought gifts to him because he was ruling ruling over that whole area of the eastern part of the east. Verse 424. For he had dominion over all the regions on this side of the river, Tipasad, notice, even to Gesa, namely over all kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on every side around him. Notice, by the Mediterranean, all the way to the desert, all the way to Egypt, God brought peace to Solomon. Never, never a war. Never a war. And then his provision. Let me read from, I'm going backwards to verse 22. Listen. And now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 corks of fine flour, 60 corks of meal, 
10 flattened oxen, 20 oxen for the pastures, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and flattened fowl. And then verse 27, And these governors, each man in his mouth, provided food for the king Solomon, for all who came to the king Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also brought barley and straw in the proper place, because for the horses and the steed, for each man according his charge. He had everything you would ever desire. Nothing lacked. Nothing lacked. And check this out, verse 26. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. We're going to go to the valley of Megiddo across his Nasser. We're going to be on top of that hill where he built his fortress, where he kept his horses. Incredible place. It tells us that there's a mistake, 40,000, when it should be 4,000. 4,000. Chronicles 9.25 says that. So it's a copious error. 4,000 instead of 40,000. Verse 29 to 34. Notice. And God gave Solomon wisdom, exceedingly great understanding, a largest of heart like the sands of the seashore. The Solomon, noted wisdom, excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east, all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, and he gives all these men. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. His songs were 1,005, the Song of Songs. And also he spoke of trees, cedar trees, Lebanon, and hyssop, and all these things. Verse 34, and all the men of the nations and the kings of the earth, they heard this, they were totally blown away by Solomon. So he writes 3,000 proverbs. He composes 1,005 songs. He possesses vast knowledge concerning plant and animal zoology. He's an expert. And lastly, his advice is sought by the kings of all the nations. He doesn't think that he's, you know, he's the only king that has wisdom. God says, you're the king that's going to give wisdom. But, it's sad. At the end of his life, you know what seduced him? 700 wives and 300 concubines. Did you notice in Proverbs chapter 5, Chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. He spends half of the chapter speaking or teaching about sexual sin. Married and single people. The prostitute that comes along with a young man. He's walking down the street. Her husband's got on a journey. She fixes herself up, perfumes her bed, and then she sees that young man, and then she goes out and says, Hey, what are you doing around here? She says, my husband is gone on a journey, took enough money not to return. Why don't you come into my house and I will please you sexually? And the Bible says that the young man goes into the slaughter like an oxen. He doesn't come back. Our media-driven society continually bombards us with messages, some good and some completely opposed to the things of God. We hope today's teaching has given you the tools and desire to seek the unchanging wisdom of God's Word. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear today's message, Solomon, the wisest man in the world in its unedited form, we'll send a copy to you for a donation of $5 or more. Just call us at 800-634-9165. We'd also like to offer you inspiration from Rawls' 20-part series titled Men of the Bible. Available on either CD or a thumb drive, 
This study illuminates how some of the earliest believers walked closely in step with the Lord and accomplished His perfect will as they listened for His divine guidance in their lives. To order Rawls' 20-message Men of the Bible series, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your CD collection for a gift of $26 or an MP3 thumb drive for $21. That's 800-634-9165. Our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. This is a listener-supported ministry, and we thank you for your generous partnership. Every gift is tax-deductible. Next time, as we continue this series exploring the spiritual legacies of biblical believers, we'll focus on Abraham's deep and abiding faith. You'll be inspired to fully entrust your life to the Lord, allowing Him to transform you in righteousness and set you apart for His kingdom. Here's Roll now once again with a closing thought from today's teaching. You should read the Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs, one proverb a day. Proverbs are for the morning wisdom. The Psalms are for the evening to comfort you. When you go to bed, God will speak to your heart. In the morning when you get up and you spend time reading the Word of God, you need to read it. You can read like three chapters in the old, two chapters in the new, however you want to do that. So when you get up and you go to work, you already have read the Word of God. You fed yourself spiritually, and you have the full armor of God. And to go out and do combat against the world, against Satan, against his enemies. And not to be defeated, but to what? To conquer because of Jesus Christ. Because He's my King, He's my Lord, He's my Savior. And I will bow my knee to Him, and my tongue shall confess, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.